you are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on our favorite new podcast app, Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. And we're continuing along with our exit interviews. Yesterday, we posted our episode on Justice Winslow. Today, we're talking about Goran Dragic. We'll go through some of the pros and cons of his season, talk about where he can improve this summer, and then ask some key questions about his future. Let's start with the pros, David. And hard to do with Dragic, who was on and off injured all season long, never looked completely healthy this season coming off of that Euro Cup run. Um, It was really awesome for him and his career, uh, but kind of seemed that that might have put him behind the eight ball as far as his conditioning was concerned at the start of the season. Still, this is the part of the show where we do pros, so I'm going to try to do that. Dragic finished the season um, third in uh, net rating so when, in his on-off numbers. So when Dragic was on the floor, uh, the Heat had their third best net rating at plus 1.8 points per 100 possessions. And the best offensive rating of any player at 107.7 points per 100 possessions. And the interesting thing about that, I thought at least... Both of those marks were better than his 2017-18 All-Star campaign. So if you're looking for pros, now I know there's a lot of noise in those on-off numbers and stuff, but we're, we're supposed to be looking for pros right now, and that's what I found. I, I think you could still look at Goran, even at almost 33 years of age, um, and, and realize that he's still a very high-level, functional, offensive player. And I think that's where those numbers come from, is that you don't see any kind of significant drop off. And that's something that we've talked about Goran for a while now is that when you look at him, you know what you're going to get out of him as far as consistent scoring. Now, even that took a dip. I'm sure something we'll address in our next segment when we talk about the cons, but there's still enough productivity there where you have to say, okay, this is what Goran does. He can get to the rim, even at 33, he can get to the foul line occasionally, but maybe, you know, more than any other heat player with the exception of Dwayne Wade. And, he can still shoot to three, even though his three-point shooting took a, a slight dip as well um, in comparison to the last year. So it's hard to kind of wade through those numbers uh, and find anything positive there. But clearly, he's making an impact. And unfortunately, the thing is with Goran is that he's always been so quiet. Like, he could have a 30-point night, and you may not know it. Even during that stretch uh, in, what was it? I want to say it was February, March. I think maybe even early March where he had that impressive run where he was scoring at such a high clip and he was mm-hmm. shooting the, the three ball at such a high level. It, most of that was a little quiet. I think we, with the exception of like that, uh, an outburst here and there or one game, I think, I can't remember exactly which one it was. You said that we were going to lose by five as opposed to 20 because of Goran Dragic's hop shooting. And, and, you know, it was just, again, those are the kind of moments that kind of get lost when, when you look at Goran's career and his, and his past season is that he's had big n- nights and at the same time just not big enough to go, oh my God, this is Goran scoring 44, you know, 50 points. He's not going to ever do that. He's just going to be just good enough so that you realize he's a good scorer, but also just quiet and unfortunately also just inconsistent enough where you can't necessarily put him among the league's top scorers. 
Yeah, last year he only had one, two, three, four, five games where he scored thirty or more points, and the Heat lost. I'm four surprised of at that. Five games. Oh, yeah, and I'm surprised at that. But yeah, and, and then, I went back and listened to our exit interview from last year, and we talked about that, and we tried to guess how many thirty point games Goran had. I think you and I both were like one, two, and like five, and then you know you bring up that stat where he. They they lost almost every single one. The only one that they won was the Lakers, and the Lakers sucked last year. Um, so and they kind of sucked this year. But this season, he only scored thirty points that one time against Boston. They lost that game, right. and so you know this goes. This has always been Goran Dragic's thing. He's not a high volume scorer. He's not, and the Heat tend to lose games when he does because his his best contribution to winning basketball is driving and kicking and setting things up and bending the defense and getting guys involved. And he's been so good at that. And I want to get into the drive numbers a little bit later on, but that's a negative. One other positive that I found was that he's still, despite his age, he's going to be 33 in a couple in a few days here, he still was one of the best guys on the team at pushing the pace. He led, going back to those on-off numbers, he led the Heat in pace at 103.3. Uh, and so that's still a big part of what he can bring to the table, even at this age. And Pat Riley, during his uh, end-of-season press conference, said, and this is a quote, I want to read it, I would love to play faster next year, get out and run a little bit, and use our athleticism. Look, Dragic isn't the super athlete that he once was, but he still is able to push the pace, and he does it with smarts, and he does it with just basically perseverance. Just, look, we're going to push the pace. I don't care how slow Hassan Whiteside is. And so that's kind of like his deal. And so Dragic could still help in that regard. Well, it's interesting that, that Riley would make those comments because I, I think I think for the most part, Dragic is significantly quicker, at least as far as pushing the pace is concerned. He's a lot quicker than Justice Winslow, who, who is probably going to be handling the starting whatever duties, if you don't want to call him a point guard. Quicker in his execution, right? Like maybe in a 40-yard sprint, it's different. But in a... Like I do think that Dragic is just like Winslow's still learning the point guard yeah. role, so he's a little just he's a little bit more slower on the uptick. Well, I think the, it's, on the uptick it's just, than Dragic. Is. Yeah, Dragic just attacks and then figures it out because I, honestly, I think he's still even at thirty three and smaller and not as physically imposing as Justice is. Probably craftier. Like he just knows how to yes. create opportunities for himself and for others. Whereas if if Winslow ever develops that, and and that's not to say that he won't, I think that he's certainly capable of it, and I think that's what we talked about in our in our previous show in his exit interview. But at the same time, like Justice needs to kind of see the floor and then go, okay, this is how things are developing, and he can kind of slowly put pieces together and and you know realize that there's a good point of attack. If this player moves here, I can feed him there, etc. Whereas Goran, and that what, that's what makes that that's what makes that tandem a little bit more difficult, right? We talked about in our Justice Winslow exit interview, play him at point guard next to Dragic, but we're talking through this right now, and they play at different speeds. Yeah, they do. That actually might be difficult, right? Because Harden and Chris Paul, and Winslow made that comparison. Harden and Chris Paul can play together, despite them being historically high usage players. They have always played at the same speed. Yeah, they kind of play at that Justice Winslow speed. Yeah. that that slowed down LeBron James kind of methodical approach. Dragic, you're right. He's just like, I'm going to just run through this thing yeah, and then just out. figure it out. When I'm at the rim, I'll find, I'll figure it out then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> either I'll shove you out of my way or I'll, you know, pivot and pivot, 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 and then, you know, reverse layup, et cetera. Or, or kick it out to somebody who's wide right. open, you know, once they well, finally have caught up <laughs> as far as pushing the ball up. That leads us to this next part because a big part of Dragic's games are those drives to the rim. And we're not far away from that 16 17 year where he was second in the league. 
behind only Russell Westbrook in drives per game at 17.7. I looked it up right before we started recording. Last year, so that was two years ago, last year, that number dropped to 14.6 drives per game. Still really good, ninth in the NBA. This year, David, 11 drives per game, 36th in the NBA. So he, in two years, he went from almost 18 drives per game to 11 drives per game. Now, is this per and 36 this is, minutes, or is this over the... This is this is per game, per so game. that's the other part, right? This is, in three years, there's just been more possessions per game. So the percentage of, you know, his per 36, his per 100 possessions, whichever standardized metric that you want to use, would probably be an even larger gap, but... He's down to 11 drives per game. Now, it's not bad, right? 11 drives per game is still pretty good. 36th in the league is still pretty high, considering how many guys are in the league. But um, the drives are, there's, even the eye test would have bore, the reason I looked it up is like, yeah, it doesn't feel like he drives as much. And maybe that's some of the Heat's offense, less drive and kick as the years have gone on, more swing, swing, you know, dribble handoffs. The Heat shot a lot more threes this year than they ever have. I think all of that's part of it. But, uh, and then obviously Justice Winslow had the ball in his hands for most of December and January. I think that was a big part too. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is also uh, where Goran was playing, either starting alongside Winslow or, um, you know, when he did come back from injury or, you know, coming off the bench and playing alongside Dwayne Wade, you know, and then he just he just didn't have the opportunity as much as he did. Again, it's still, that's the basis of his game. But, uh, you know, he was shooting the ball a lot more. He shot more three-point attempts per game now than he ever has at any point in the season, 4.6. That number jumps for 36 minutes to almost six attempts per game. This is significantly more than at any other point in his career. So, you know, he, he I think he's relying more on his three-point shot, playing more off-ball than he has at any other point in his career. And that certainly bears, you know, and the numbers show that yeah. considering the, the drives to, to the rim. So, Right, and then the other, on those drives, the Heat, this season scored on 39.5% of his drives. That's, That's down cool. from 41.5% last year and down from 43.2% in that really big year in 16 and 17. So, um, you know, and look, we're not breaking news here. Dragic is going to be 33. He's getting older. These are sort of the things that happen. I mean, you look at his his shots in the restricted area. When he was in Phoenix, that's what he was known for, was shooting like LeBron-like numbers at the rim. Yeah. This year, he shot 56.3% in the restricted area, which was down from uh, 59% last year. That's been a st- And that's been a steady decline. That drone beat has just been rolling. But again, you know, nobody, that's not, it's not really a reflection on Dragic. It's just that's what happens when, you, when you're a 33-year-old point guard. You're aging. Those are the sort of numbers that, that go down. But we do think that he's been a more reliable three-point shooter. You mentioned earlier his three-point shooting clips have gone down a little bit, but I think you can attribute that more to injuries than anything else. But, you know, since his days in Phoenix and his early couple years in Miami, he's become basically a 38% three-point shooter over the course of the last three years. So he's a good three-point shooter, and that's I, I think you're right. He's going to sort start to move closer to that three-point line. Probably still do some of those drives. The drive and kick will always be a part of his game. That's, always, that's just who Goran Dragic is. But you don't want to see it dip a lot lower like, the days of 17 drives per game are, are never coming back. But 10, 11 drives per game, that seems about right. And, yeah, maybe I, I would actually expect that to drop a little bit more. I just mm-hmm. it all A lot of that has to do with where he's going to play in this lineup. And I think we'll probably address that a little bit later in the show. But I think both of us expect him to have a, an off-the-bench role. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good segue, so let's go into that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what he can improve on this summer and what he should be focusing on. 
Uh, but first, let's take care of some business. Wise. We've talked about it a hundred times already. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. It is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. Check on your home anytime with the Wise app live stream in 1080p full HD. Images so clear that you won't miss a thing. Wise's mission is to create amazing smart home products that are available and affordable to everyone. Best of all, Wise provides free, rolling, 14-day cloud storage. And without any subscription, it's just $20 a camera. Easily a check-in on your kids. Monitor your home in the middle of the workday. Make sure nobody steals your blankets and cookies. And for just $10 more, Wise Campan gives you 360-degree coverage in under three seconds. Plus, Wise works with Alexa and is accessible on your mobile phone from anywhere. All you got to do is go to wise.com slash locked to to get the guaranteed lowest price. Wise.com, W-Y-Z-E slash locked. Okay, so this is part of the interview where we ask Goran Dragic what we want him to do over the summer, right? If you're the Heat's front office, you're sitting down, let's review the season. We just did that. And now, what are your summer plans, Goran? I think the first and foremost is go get healthy because he only played in 36 games this season. Obviously, the low for when he was in Miami. So, go get healthy. Go get your body right. You know, I just don't. I also don't think that's the nature of who Goran is. Like, I, I think he is just a tireless workhorse, um, and so it's going to be difficult for him to, to kind of just sit back. I, I don't know if he has that off switch, and I don't know. I don't know what his training methods are. I know he's he's a big proponent of heat culture and and trying to stay lean and, and keep your weight down and things of this sort. So you wonder what what the the future holds for him, at least the immediate future. But clearly, he needs rest. Like he he just has not been a hundred percent since Euro Cup, and um, he he still works extremely hard. Like I remember at media day last year, he talked about having a summer off and, and being able to enjoy it, et cetera. And and it still led to injury. So uh, you know he 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 needs to figure out something because age is clearly catching up to him, and it's a problem. And um, I'm not sure what the next step for him is as far as being able to recover, being able to be. A, a, a player that you can rely on as far as just being able to be on the floor for more than just 36 games. Like, I mean, we might start seeing a very, very slow decline here as far as, you know, the number of games per season that he plays. And at 19 yeah. million per, that's going to be problematic. Now, I know the contract is a situation that probably will be resolved. Well, it may not be resolved this summer, but I mean, it, it should be something that him and his agents start to consider pretty strongly. Yeah. So, I mean, that has to be a part of the discussion because if he's a decision be... has to be made this summer too, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, that'll be, that'll be telling in and of itself. Um, I almost wonder, he seems to me to be like just one of those gym guys who likes to lift. I could see him being really into back day I don't think or something. A... You don't No, I don't think he lifts. <laughs> I don't think he lifts. I think that's part of the problem. I think he's just, like running, 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 like cardio. Like I bet you that kid that's could probably run the marathon. I, you know, I wanted. That's why I was do more of that. I almost think like don't. I almost say don't lift the weights because I feel like that you're just don't lift weights. Like don't no power lifting, no bench press, none of that stuff. Like don't tear up your muscles. I would do almost like that Tom Brady regimen where it's just like it's just uh, it's just broccoli and resistance bands for an entire summer hmm. and just do that. You know. Um with Dragic, I think he could really benefit from, you know, strengthen, strengthening ligaments, strengthening just, you know, muscle tissue, but not necessarily getting yoked, you know, not going out there and trying to add muscle. Because he's a big point guard. Like, he's already adequately built. It's just strengthening, like, just 
you know, the little the little nuts and bolts there in his body, and then just staying off the basketball court for a little bit. Just don't get on the basketball court, don't draw any contact, get healthy, um, and just and just start doing the old man type of workouts again, like Tom Brady. Just whatever his thing is, do that because he's playing in the NFL until he's forty, and he doesn't lift weights anymore. Yeah, but he doesn't he does, run either. Yeah, and I hate him. But well, other than that, like, just go do his stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I don't think the comparison is a, a fair one. But at the same time, okay. like, I just, I don't know. Goron, he needs to do something differently. Um, and I'm sure that he'll, he'll probably seek whatever he can to, to help improve. Uh, look, I mean, look, if you, you want any kind of comparison, look at Dwayne Wade. I mean, Dwayne Wade was at this point at the same age four years ago where his knees were falling apart uh, during the last year of the Big Three era, and now he played, you know, what, 70-something games this past season with the exception of taking time off for the birth of his daughter. So I think that you can look to that as kind of the role model for helping elongate mm-hmm. and stretch out your career and be a little bit more consistent as far as playing time is concerned. So that- so in these exit interviews, we've basically asked Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic, the only two exit interviews we've done, both go to Dwayne Wade's gym. That's your assignment? Kind of right, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, shout I mean, out, yeah. shout out, DBC, <laughs> Miami. Yeah, I mean, it's about finding for justice. It's about finding more athletic ex- explosiveness. For Goron, it's more, yeah. more about uh, longevity and, and prolonging your career a little bit longer. Um, but you know, you brought up Dwayne Wade's influence here, and I think it's it bears repeating, or it's worth noting. That you uh, you went back and listened to our exit interview from mm. last year, and one of the things that we had talked about was Goron being the consistent voice in the locker room, uh, being the the team's leader, um, and at least that's what we had seen from him during the 2017-18 season, and how much that changed during 2018-19, and I think a lot of that has to do, and both of you and I agree, a lot of that has to do with Dwayne's presence on the team, like Wade's. Wade's retirement and Wade's one last dance kind of dominated everything about this team from, you know, who was going to be the, the player to step up in his absence or who was going to take a seat to, to Dwayne, who was going to defer to Dwayne. And I think Goron, unfortunately, was one of those players that kind of deferred a little bit. So I think when we're looking ahead to next year, one of the things that we certainly have to consider is Goron possibly taking another step up. Now, that's going to be a little harder for him to do. Because I'm sure he wants to be a vocal leader, at least somewhat. Because I think there's still, I think there's still somewhat of a hesitancy there because he's European. Because he may not have, he may never have had the loudest voice in the locker room, even during his heyday in Phoenix. And then he comes to Miami, and you well, know. he's always been a lead by example guy, right? Yeah, and but so, he spoke, and he spoke, and he spoke to he, me. And he spoke to me about being the the more vocal leader in the Miami yeah. locker room, and that's not easy for him to do. Because he has an accent, because he's European, because he doesn't know how to get to these guys that grew up in, in Oklahoma or Texas or you know yeah. North Carolina. And, and, and then look, it got it got drowned out by Dwayne Wade's one doubt. last dance tour, right? And and so I think Dragic did, and part of it was that he was injured so much of the year. He only played thirty plus games, so there was a little bit of that where he faded to the background a little bit as Dwayne Wade's retirement tour took the main stage. Guys like Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo, their development took on a greater significance in the storyline of the season. But this time last year, in our pros for our exit interview for Dragic, we were talking about how much of a leader he had become. And you had talk- and you mentioned even then your conversations with Goran and how he strived to do that, and he did do that. And I almost think with Wade gone, 
it will allow him. Like when Wade leaves the room, the room gets quieter, <laughs> and I think that's where Goran Dragic thrives. Right when he is quiet and his voice doesn't get so so drowned out, and he can be more vocal and he can lead by example. Because in those instances, I think guys look for that. So I think Dragic will take on a bigger leadership role next season, even if he is coming off the bench. Um, which does lead us to our next segment here, our key questions for Goran Dragic. Let's do that after the break. All right, so some key questions for Goran Dragic going forward. Our key question last year was, what is Goran Dragic's trade value? I think that's one of our key questions this year, David. But before we get to that, I want to bring up something that you said on last year's in, in last year's exit interview. You said, quote, you have to start considering that within the next year or two, a bench roll might be what's best for him, end quote. So you were ahead of this. You've yes. always been kind of on the Dragic maybe coming off the bench thing. I got one right, do man. We think, do, do we think it's time? Do we think it's time for that? As far as him coming off the bench, yeah, I think. Yeah, next year. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think he flourishes in that role, to be honest with you. I think we're going to see his playing time decrease, and I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to be an energetic offensive boost off the bench. Like, I mean, without Dwayne there, to be honest with you, we're going to need that off the bench. And so I think as capable as he is playing alongside Justice Winslow, albeit at a different pace, he comes in there and injects this team with a different energy. Like, I think Spolster will be challenged with determining the right rotations because I think, obviously, you have Goron in there and then you're going to bring Whiteside off the bench. And again, that's completely different paces as well. So... You have to kind of figure out who kind of, uh, you know, how, how do you stagger your starting lineup? I think Jay Rich probably plays more effectively with Goran than Justice does. So, you, um, you know, there, we've seen chemistry with Dion and, and and Goran. I wonder if that's going to be the case next year as well. I mean, again, a lot could change depending on whether or not any kind of major roster moves are, are made. But I yeah. think as far as Goran specifically, it feels to me like he's he's much better as a bench player at 33 years. And and that's not a knock either. You you need quality guys. Huh? I mean, look at Lou Williams. He's never been a starter, and yet he's carrying the Clippers into a playoff victory over Golden State. And I think that's a big part I'm, of it. I, I'm glad you bring up the Lou Williams comparison because a guy like that, and, and Dragic and Lou Williams have very different games, sure. but they can both break down in a second unit defense really well and create stuff for their teammates. That they both have in common. And you see what Lou Williams plus Montrez Harrell for that that Clippers bench unit can be such a boost for them. And when and the Clippers and the Heat are very similar in the, in lieu of a superstar talent, you need those little extra advantages. And Miami's bench was not necessarily an advantage for most of this season. It was towards the end a little bit on and off, but for the for the balance of the year, not really, not necessarily. And so if you can put Goran Dragic in that spot, look, we saw in 2016-17 what a what a two-man game can do for a bench between Tyler Johnson and James Johnson, the brothers Johnson. Remember that, right? Yes. That two-man game completely anchored that second unit, and that was a big advantage for Miami in that 30-11 and 11 stretch. The Heat didn't necessarily have that this year, and you're right. Dragic could be a key part of that, but they need the second guy. That guy is not Whiteside because of all the things you said. So it could be Bam. Do you bring Whiteside back in? As, it yeah. could be Bam, right? Do you bring Whiteside back in as a starter and bring in Bam? I don't think that's the right option either. Because you need to lean into Bam Adebayo. So I do think if you could trade Whiteside, you do that. You don't necessarily need to replace Whiteside with Dragic's running partner. But I do think you need to move him. Because if he's not your second unit guy and he's not your starter, then what is he? And in that trade, either you get somebody who would work well with Dragic, right? He's not necessarily a pick-and-roll guy. But you could see a pick-and-pop thing work for him. 
Um, somebody who could set really good screens on the perimeter that sets him open for drives, drives and kicks, something like that. Um, he he did play really well with waiters, maybe just a second guard. You got you have a one-two punch there, but I do think it needs to be maybe a big. And him, I almost wonder if it's James Johnson, healthy James Johnson and Dragic off the bench. James Johnson sets good screens. He if he gets that three-point shot going a little bit more, he's respected from the perimeter. He just he's active. I think that works with Dragic. They like to play at a similar pace. James Johnson likes to get up and down. He can handle the ball a little bit. Like is is Dragic and James Johnson like the old man almost on steroids version of whatever TJ and JJ were a couple years ago? That's an interesting one. I, and Chris Bosh would work great too, right? I mean, oh Jesus! Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to consider who who's available there. As a trade partner, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah. Like white side to white side to Charlotte, and maybe you get Frank Kaminsky back. And so you have Kaminsky as a pick and pop guy with Dry. Kaminsky came on strong towards the end of the year. He he's became a, a really agent, important right? thing for Charlotte. Uh, he is re- he, he's restricted, right? Uh, yes, I believe he is. Well, so yeah, if you well, sign they might, a trade, they might, they might, yeah, they might uh, yeah renounce his rights and, and make him an unrestricted free agent. And I know he's great friends with um, Josh Richardson, actually. I think they're represented by the same agency. Oh, really? So I, I wonder if there's a, a connection here. I don't know. He's, he's a Chicago Didn't Justice guy. beat him in the thing? Pardon? Was that Justice's team? Yes. Beat him in the... Yes. Yeah, they so, Okay. Ja Okafor. That's right. Um, he's from Chicago, so, I wonder. Maybe there's an opportunity to back up Laurie Markkinen in Chicago. I don't know. Frank Kaminsky's from Chicago? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. He played in Wisconsin, but he's a Chicago guy, Southside. One of the other questions uh, for, for Goran Dragic is, what is his trade value, just like last year? Because he is a uh, technically an expiring contract, or could be, if he if he decides to pick up his option um, for $19 million next year. I still expect that to be the case. I do think, because if you look at his numbers, you know he went from 17 points per game to 13 points per game this last year, only playing 36. Like if you're Dragic and if you're Dragic's agent, you got to think like, okay, we can only go up from here. Our value is at a at an all time low at this point. Why would we opt out? Let's just opt in. We like Miami. Let's just take the money. Let's take let's take 19 million, put it in the bank, and we'll figure this thing out next summer. I do think that that's probably the best option for Dragic anyway. Um, even at his age, I just. Nineteen million dollars is a lot of money, and there's an opportunity to build on this year, on this last year, just to improve on this last year. So, let's say he opts in because if he opts out, then the Heat aren't trading him. Um, what is his trade value then as a nineteen million dollar, thirty three year old point guard on an expiring deal? Pretty high, I think. Actually, I think um, in the second half of the season, if you're a team that's looking to shore up your your bench with a proven score. And I think that's the the focus point, regardless uh, for Goran, is is proving that he can be a a competent, efficient scorer as a bench player or as a starter, pro- preferably off the bench, even at thirty three years of age. And I think as long as he stays healthy and continues to to do what he does best, and and maybe even tighten in that a little bit more, then I think for a, a look, you're, you're looking at a team like the Seventy Sixers. They could use bench help. They could use bench scoring. Um, any team in the league could probably use a quality bench scorer that can, who can run their offense as well as Goran does. Now, I mean, there's an injection of energy there. There's a different style of pace, perhaps. But either way, uh, I think Goran's addition would would benefit any team. And so, if you're you're going to take a, a flyer on a, a player 
despite the fact that he'd be making as much as Goran does, it would only be for half a season. I think there's incredible value there for Goran. Like again, I think it's probably a Fed, a February pre-trade deadline acquisition, mm. but I, I still think it's a it's a good one. I think it's a high high value acquisition for any team. The Bucks traded for George Hill in December, right? Early December. Yeah, it could be something similar to that, right? Where he's insurance for a team that's making a run here. Um, that maybe after a strong start of the season, their expectations are elevated a little bit, and they're just looking for more point guard backcourt insurance. Dragic is versatile enough; he could play both guard positions. How about Houston? I mean, yeah, they they you know, Chris Paul continues to break down during the regular season. Yeah. And the window closing with Paul at his age and and James Harden playing at an MVP level. I mean, the Golden State yeah, I just Warriors don't know who be, takes. Yeah, who, how do they match? Who, how do they stack salaries to nineteen million? Though it, that's yeah, going to be really tough. Challenge, but, but I mean, the, the Warriors will be without KD, et cetera. So I mean, it's there, there's I mean, there's teams, there's options there. I mean, may, who knows if they rebuild the Lakers? I mean, who knows what will happen? They, I mean, any team would be willing to take on that salary for a few months knowing that he's a free agent yeah. anyway. And that's a good opportunity for him to kind of prove it at a higher level because I, I don't expect Miami to be in title contention next season, even though a lot of our listeners probably don't want to hear that, but I think that's realistic. Sacramento. De'Aaron Fox. You know, if they if they take a leap to start the year, you know, I don't know, Harrison Barnes for Dragic. Oh. Still makes sense. We did it in Dallas. We, we used to propose that all the time. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, uh, I'd be happy for you, but I'd be sad for us. Yeah, I'd get to talk to Goran all the time. It'd be great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what his trade it, It's, you know, a draft pick, an asset of some kind, and matching salary. That would probably be it um, if you're the Heat. Oh, as far as I what they'd be looking that, for? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, you're looking yeah. probably for a young player that you can develop a little bit, a guy maybe that's a little unproven and then has an opportunity to grow in, in Miami. And then a draft pick, mm-hmm. and, and again some yeah. matching salary that is probably going to expire at the end of the year. You don't want to take on any money, though. That's the whole thing, right? Why would you trade Goron if you're looking to clear the decks in 2020? Yeah, anyway? can't take any no future money. That's exactly right. And so you're you're you'd be taking, you'd almost be taking pennies on the dollar, but you'd be accumulating assets. And I think that would be the idea there. Um, or it's, it, it's Dragic's salary works really well in a sign and trade. I know we brought up the sign and trade before earlier in the week, and. Mm. He could be a, a key part of that. He would he would likely probably be a key part of that if something were, like that were to happen for a Jimmy Butler or a Kemba Walker or something like that. Good point. Um, so yeah, I th- I do think Jogic's contract actually has more value now than it did at this point last year, despite him coming off of an All Star game last year. Um, just by the nature of it being expiring, I think he's well respected around the league, and I think he's versatile enough to either start or come off the bench for anybody, and willing to do that. He's a good locker room guy. Um, and so I think a team would be welcome to have him. So I don't know. Those those are all my key questions uh, for Dragic. Yeah, I don't necessarily have any. Um, I just I wonder whether or not Miami will start to actively shop him around or anything like that. Like I, I don't know how this team is going to fit in because you know it's ha- kind of hard to project what this team will be like next year, knowing that some changes are likely to happen over the summer as we're recording this now in April. I mean, this this team could be very, very drastically different by late June following the NBA yeah. draft. So um, if that's the case, you know, we'll have to wait and see what, what Goran's role in this is. But if they start... Do you, acting, think he's on, do you think he's on the team this time next season? This uh, time at the end of next season? At the end of next... Well, he'll be, he'll be a free agent, but okay. I mean... Do you think he'll be coming off of a season where he played for the Miami Heat? Oof. Yes, 
my tendency is to think yes that they 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 will be resistant to to move them unless it's for the sign and trade option to acquire another superstar player. I think they're going to trade him. I don't know why. I just I think for when, when Pat Riley talks about dollar? sweeping changes, okay. yeah, I, I something yeah. I don't know. I don't know about pennies on the dollar, but just something that makes more sense. You know, Riley talks about sweeping changes. I do think it's time for him to adjust the window to whatever it is that that whatever that window is for Richardson, Winslow, and Bam. Dragic doesn't fit into that window, and so and he's like we just said. I think he can be moved. I think he's easily movable. And so, depending on what they can get back, I do think that they'll move him and get something that just fits into that win- that window a little bit more than Dragic does. And so I just, I tend to think, if indeed we should expect sweeping changes, Dragic does seem like maybe the most likely guy to get moved, only because he is so movable. I would, say, so- I would say that they probably would prefer moving Dion Waiters. But he's less movable. But he's less movable. And, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, with Waiter's weight gain and whether or not he loses it. And that, and I think that could be the biggest question. I think you'd be more open to trading away Goran if Dion comes back in excellent shape. And if he proves to be the kind of player that they they, they offered the contract to a couple seasons ago, if that's the case, then maybe you could say, well, okay, now we're a little bit more willing to, to move Goran. And that's unfortunate because, again, one of the things about Goran is – his comfort level in Miami and, and how much he wants to be here. So I, I wonder if they'll coldly trade him away unless it's to a contender. That's another thing too. I mean, you don't get, always get what you want in the NBA regardless. So, I mean, whether they, they're willing to move him or not, I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, I, I'm sure they well, want to do I mean, right they, by him. They cut bait with Rodney McGruder, who they freaking loved. So they, this team is that's not... a little harder though. That, I mean, that's a, well, that's a little easier to do because you can't pay him, you can't you can't re-sign him anyway. So why not give him a good opportunity to kind of show what he can do with that Clippers front office? I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Remember, you could subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Heat. You can connect with us on Twitter at LockedOnHeat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Get your questions in for our Friday mailbag. Thank you for spending some time with us today. We'll catch you next time. And thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.